if you add up all of that time where we're kind of admonishing ourselves when we're premenstrual, I'm not good enough, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm feeling overwhelmed. So you have that and then you plus, you know, having a period where there's a whole cultural narrative about, you know, you just got to push through and it's like that's half of your reproductively viable life that you're spending just kind of not being where you are. And when you think about seasons, we understand that there's a time for everything. And and um, once you kind of dig a little deeper, I think there's just this beautiful opportunity to really understand your flavour in each of those phases. Welcome to Routines and Ruts, the podcast exploring the ebb and flow of our daily lives. I'm your host, Madeline Dorr a writer and person who is also navigating the messy parts of life, work and creativity and sharing insights with you along the way. For over five years, I've been asking people how they navigate their days in my labour of love, extraordinary routines. This podcast delves further into this idea that creativity isn't just something we do, but how we approach our lives. To keep up momentum with the second season, I've recently created a Patreon page. It's where listeners can support creators with a monthly pledge. So if this podcast has been a source of comfort or inspiration and you'd like a way to help me continue to create episodes, you can now become a supporter. There's also an option to join me for a weekly virtual work session, Momentum Mornings. It's where you can have an hour to carve out a slice of time just for you to read, journal, stretch, write, catch up on emails, whatever you need to build into your routine or perhaps get out of a rut. My hope is that it's a lovely momentum feedback loop, both for the podcast, but also for you. We live in a linear world with linear schedules and linear expectations of our energy, of our time, of our bodies. Consistency and growth is expected and pressured. Yet, when we don't fit into these unrelenting and narrow demands, we can sometimes feel shame or spiral into self-blame. But what if there's no such thing as a linear world or a linear life? What if we don't move through our days in straight lines, but rather we bend and meander and ebb and flow in cycles? For some of us, Those cycles are inherent to our biology. Perhaps there's no better example of how our lives are cyclical than the menstrual cycle. For those with a period, how often will you sense in yourself a shift in your energy, yet ignore it to push through? How often have you sort of sensed this ebb and flow, but not inspected it? Even if you don't have a menstrual cycle, Perhaps there's something for us all in rethinking our connection to everything that does have a cycle, creativity, nature, life. I'm excited to look a little bit closer at the ebb and flow with this week's guest, Lucy Peach. Lucy is a self-described period preacher, the folk singer, theatre performer and former biology teacher and sexual health educator tracked her hormonal changes for an entire year, which she used in her songwriting for her show, My Greatest Period Ever. Most recently, her book Period Queen, Life Hack Your Cycle and Own Your Power All Month Long delves further into the different phases of our cycles and what we can learn from each. Since devouring the book, my relationship to my menstrual cycle has changed quite dramatically. 
I now keep track of the four different phases in a Google Calendar so I can avert what's called cycle amnesia and also plan different projects around where I might be in my cycle and pay attention to what my body might need, be it more exercise, be it more rest, be it more alone time, be it connection. In this conversation, we delve further into cycle amnesia, how to zoom out and look at the four phases of your entire cycle and how that's different for everybody. We look at period shame and truth bombs. We look at post-project blues, freelancing, and giving yourself permission to both finish and begin. So on that note, here's Lucy Peach on how she feels on this particular day of her cycle. Well... We are speaking on, what day is it, Tuesday, and I am day 24. And so for me, that means I'm well and truly in, I call it the take phase. So that means that I'm premenstrual and I'm, you know, just ovulation is a distant memory. I think at this time of the month, I'm definitely more prone to melancholy and it's not I'm not depressed or I'm not you know it's not terminal it's just like you 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 it's a little bit thinner you know and you're just kind of really um a bit more open to the the melancholy so that's kind of yeah I'm I'm just a little bit there and um that's where I'm at I can definitely relate to that and it's it's before reading your brilliant book period queen I joke with friends often about feeling that melancholy, feeling that flatness, which is what it's like for me, and then getting my period soon after and then thinking, oh, like, why do I forget this every month? Mm. And I think it might be a common experience for people. And I'm wondering if it might be, you've mentioned the take phase, but there's the four phases you outline in period queen and maybe just hearing a little bit Mm. about each. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, we've we've so long just treated the menstrual cycle like it's on or off and it's all about the period and ovulation doesn't really get a look in and um you know, it's this kind of roller coaster and it's all over the place and that is just not true. And when you look at the whole cycle as a whole and you zoom out um and you understand you know, that we have these hormones and that they they really are a part of what makes us who we are and how we feel, then you can learn about about the ways that you respond to them. Mm. And obviously everybody's different and, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. There are four phases and four feelings and there's something wrong with you if you don't fit into those boxes because um, we're all just so different, obviously. Mm. But basically the four phases are as such. So it begins on day one when you have your period. And when you look at what's going on hormonally, when you have your period um, to begin with, there's just not a lot of anything. You're pretty well flatlined. And I call this the dream phase because um, it's really a time when you feel closest to, you can feel closest to your sort of most soft tender self and you know you're at the beginning you're at the beginning of a whole new month and it's such a beautiful time to really look back and think about the month that you just had and to think about the month ahead and to obviously really dial up all of the self-care things and so dream phase week one no hormones and then as that week sort of tails off as your bleeding tails off 
your eggs are already starting to kind of get busy for the next ovulation and they're starting to create estrogen and this rise in estrogen is really steep. It's like you're climbing a metaphorical mountain. And so I call that week the time to do because, you know, if you've had enough rest and all the self-care in week one when you've got your period in the dream phase, then in theory you're sort of really juiced up and, and energised and ready to go in week two. And estrogen makes you faster and stronger and um, coupled with the testosterone shot that you get um, just before ovulation, you, you know, th- this is the time of the month where um, – I guess it's typically the most masculine time of the month um, where you can feel quite impatient and driven and focused and maybe you don't really want to sit around hearing about people's feelings. You just want to get the job done. You know, you've come out of that cave all rested and you're just ready to do. Mm. And so I call that the do phase. And then um, that's kind of where the most rubber room is in the cycle. It's where the where there's the most flexibility. Um, it's generally the longest phase. So it can be a little bit more than a week, um, depending on the length of your cycle. And once you get that shot of testosterone, that sort of tips you over and um, causes ovulation. And so that's, you know, around the midpoint of the cycle. And once you've ovulated, you start producing progesterone, which is um, also known as nature's feel-good hormone. Um, And when you think about, you know, biologically what, is um you know happening at this time of the month you're you're preparing to procreate you're preparing to reproduce you're preparing to have this nest and you know your whole body is a nest and you know your um capacity for communication and connection is really at an all-time high and so I call this the time to give because even if you're not using those eggs to make babies you're still using that energy to to put into all of the things that are in your life. And whether you have children or not or never even want to have children, the energy that you can have now is is quite mothery, you know. It's like you might find you more wanting to connect with your friends or call your family or have people over for dinner or wonder what you can do to help or just really open, you know, like your whole body. I mean, your cervix right now, your your cervix is, is literally open, which is, you know, the gateway between you and your most inner, inner part of your body. It's like you are really open to receive. And yeah, so I call that the give phase. And I guess, you know, the give phase is um, what we sort of really get excited about in terms of what the ideal woman is in the world. And the problem is when you feel that you need to be in this space every day because mm-hmm. obviously you can't be pumping out progesterone post-ovulation every day and for a while it is one hell of a sweet ride and you have the world on a string and everything is possible and yes, I'll do this and yes, I'll do that and yes, I'll help you and I'll start a new band and <laughs> why not? I'll look after your dogs for a while and then all of a sudden you know, you can have like what you mentioned earlier, the cycle amnesia where you're just kind of like, oh, my God, why is everyone taking everything from me? Why do I have nothing? Why is everything just so shit? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and basically, you know, it's true. What goes up must come down. And I think um, 
you know, that can sort of sound negative, but actually it's just the cycle. And all of those hormones, you know, you get this just huge spike in progesterone and you get another top-up shot of estrogen. So it's just all going on. And then it starts to decline once your body realises that you're not using all of that good stuff to make a baby. It's like, okay, we're, we're getting rid of that nest, we're moving on, get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of him, get rid of her, that's shit, that's, you know, it's like everything is just up for, you know, being turfed. Um, and I call that the take phase because I really feel that it is, um, it's the time where you need to do what Madeline needs to do before you can do this whole thing again. You know, you've mm-hmm. done the doing, you've done the giving, you've done the dreaming. You need to take what you need now to just, the other way of looking at it, which was coined by um, Alexandra Pope, who together with Shani Hugo Wurlitzer wrote a book called Wild Power. You know, mm-hmm. she talks about the seasons, you know, that when you have your period, it's winter. When you're pre-ovulation, it's spring. Post-ovulation is summer and um, when you're premenstrual, it's the autumn. And, you know, when you think about autumn, it's like, you know, you can still have a nice warm day with some sun, but generally it's a <laughs> bit windy. The leaves are falling off, you know, the fruit's all over the ground. And you've got to gather what's left to really just go, okay, cool. I'm about to bleed. I'm about to go into my winter. I'm about to have my dream phase. What can I do now to really prepare for that mm. instead of skidding in on empty? And, um, yeah, and I think one thing that really bears um, shouting from the rooftops is that, you know, being premenstrual is such a powerful time. It's such a potent time. And I realised that for a long time, you know, in my teenage years and a lot of my 20s that I I wasn't very kind to myself when I was premenstrual. And, you know, it was only a few years ago where I sort of thought, you know, if you add up all of that time where we're kind of like admonishing ourselves when we're premenstrual, not to say that, you know, you're spending this whole week just hating on yourself, although I know some people do, but even if it's just, you know, low level kind of, I'm not good enough, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm feeling overwhelmed. So you have that. And then you plus, you know, having a period where, you know, there's a whole cultural narrative about, you know, you just got to push through and, you know, anything you can do, I can do bleeding and you got to keep going and you just got to get it done and, you know, nothing can stop me. It's like that's half of your reproductively viable life that you're spending just kind of not being where you are. Mm. And, you know, when you think about seasons, you know, night and day and the seasons, you know, spring, summer, winter, winter, <laughs> winter and autumn, we don't admonish those seasons. We understand that there's a time for everything. And, and um, yeah, once once you kind of, dig a little deeper I think there's just this beautiful opportunity to really understand your flavor in each of those phases and how you can how you can use it you know and it's not to say that it's the panacea for all things in your life and obviously if you've got health issues around your menstrual cycle then it can just be like I mean I'm imagining there's at least eight percent of the people listening now who are like what the hell, shut your face, I hate my period, it's awful. And, you know, that those things can just really interfere with how you feel about your cycle and, you know, rightly so. Mm. But um, it's just another lens to look at yourself mm. through and, and and it's just so much richness there. So much richness. Like I've learnt so much from my read through Period Queen and 
it's so empowering to see this as a cycle, to see, which it is, and to see the mm. seasons. And I'm actually wondering if this idea of cycle amnesia, as you put it, whether that's connected to the fact that we live in this linear world that sort of caters mm. to linear biology and there's kind of all this mm. shame around taking the rest or taking or, or being kind to ourselves even. Mm-hmm. Do you see mm-hmm. a connection there, this forgetting Oh, a million percent. You know, the connection between the forgetting is like, for me, it's it's more like, um, you know, it's institutionalized, that forgetting, that disconnection, that whole separation between, you know, our head and the rest of our bodies. I mean, for so long, everything um, to do with women's sexuality has just been completely... I don't know, swept under the carpet at best and just demonized at worst. And the disconnection to cycles in general is is obviously um, really prevalent for everybody, you know, no matter what your gender or your experience is. But for people with periods in particular, I think, yeah, it's this real sort of um, old grief. Um, I don't know, I feel like that kind of is, yeah, really reared when you're premenstrual and maybe when you get your period it's like oh that's Mm. right that's right it's that (laughs) thing you know and and what if instead it was like you know okay I'm looking at the moon or I'm looking at my calendar and I know I'm coming up for that and so instead of you know being smacked in the face with it I'm I'm gonna really like have a bath that day and I'm not gonna speak to that person I'm gonna make myself a cake and I'm gonna do more stretching or I'm gonna listen to this music or smell that smell or all of these little things that kind of pad out that transition Mm. then instead of it feeling like oh god that's right I'm a woman and oh god that's right I've got a cycle and it's like messing with me um yeah just just that perhaps it would then just welcome it, you know, and it would be like we were supported and encouraged to to kind of make time and space for it. And, um, yeah, I guess the cycle amnesia is just a symptom of a society that has so long been disconnected from what is wonderful about having a female body. Mm. Well, I, I, I will have cycle amnesia no more because thanks to your book I've gone into my Google Cal and I've mapped out mm each phase for kind of a predicted amount it's just on a a repeated calendar (laughs) invite so I've got my dream I've got my do I've got my give I've got my take and I know what's coming just at a glance at my phone and don't you wish there was an app that would because obviously your cycle can change you know and Mm. it's and it's I mean some people who are just like unicorns to me are just like every month I am exactly 29 days and it never changes and I can plan seven months in advance. I mean, that's like, that would just be a dream. But yeah, I wish there was an app that would talk to your Google calendar and then it would just automatically update because I do the same, but then I have to go in and say, oh, I actually know that phase is then and that phase is then and rah, rah, rah. And a few things I would just say really quickly to that for people that are wanting to do that. Um, Obviously, you know, when you get your period, or when it's due. Did you say yours is like bang on super regular? Yeah, 28 days, which is just great mathematically. <laughs> hey, what day are you right now? Uh, I I had a question about that actually. I'm day six yeah. and I am okay. so hungry today, mm. day six. I, do, I wondered whether that's because I'm about to kind of go into do and I need the fuel. Um, so I'm going to have a second lunch after this. I'm that hungry. Yeah, well, go for it. I mean, I guess the only thing that um, I would say, and I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist, but just from what I've read and understand and 
um, know of, of cycles in general is that your metabolism is um, is slower in week two. So where, where you're kind of at now. And, you know, maybe there's something around like, you know, maybe you're just kind of making up for, you know, the loss of having your period and you're just needing to kind of like, yeah, replenish before you get started and go and do. But um, your metabolism is, is, is lowest now and it's highest when you're premenstrual. So that's when you really need the fuel and you just, you know, you can eat everything. And, and for me it's like, okay, if I'm going to, you know, um, really just go to town on some dirty burgers, then that's when I'm like, bring mm-hmm. it on because I know I've got the metabolism to deal with it, which, you know, have a dirty burger whenever the hell you want. But all I would say is that if you have um, – like foods that are really high in carbs, for instance, or just, you know, heaps of potatoes and flour and whatever, then you can feel more stodgy Mm. in week two because your metabolism is slower and that just kind of, you know, ruins your your doing sort of vibe. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And and now that you kind of know that too, like it'd be cool to note that somewhere. And then next month on day six you can be like, oh, is that – a pattern mm. is that a one-off is that sort of something that I know you know maybe I'll do some meal prep on day four or whatever well exactly so this is the very first cycle in my whole life where I've ever ever taken notes each day so I'm really excited about that mm. but I've also what's so beautiful about period queen is I've not only put in the phases uh, into my Google Cal, but I've also just written a bit of a list of the things that you've suggested to do in each phase or what each phase can be quite um powerful for just so that I know that when I arrive in the dream phase you know it's a good time for intuition as you say or to journal and to dream Mm. um maybe before we go into that was there something that you were kind of oh yeah thank you so what I what I was going to say is that if you are not someone like you and have a completely predictable 28 day cycle Mm. then um one thing is that once you ovulate which um you know people always say it's around day 14 because it's because based on a 28-day cycle, you ovulate about 14 days before your next period. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So if I have a 30-day cycle, which mine is more inclined to be, then I will probably ovulate on day 16, which I usually do. Mm. And so once you ovulate, once you've known, once you know that you have ovulated, then you know, okay, my period is going to be due in pretty well 14-ish days. And a really great way of knowing that you've ovulated is to, um, well, you know, to learn more about um, fertility awareness and, you know, what's going on with the, with the changes that your body gives you, which is, um, you know, your temperature. Your temperature goes up once you've ovulated the day after. So it lets you know that you have ovulated. It doesn't give you information that you're about to ovulate. Um, that is um, information that you can get from knowing more about your um, cervical fluid. So, you know, it being slippery in the few days before you ovulate anyway I won't go into that because that's a whole other thing but but that but knowing about when you ovulate then it gives you more information for when your period is going to come does that make sense yeah and that's just powerful to kind of yeah to know those different phases different for everyone but you can kind of start to to look for Mm. it in yourself Mm. you know on this note of kind of being kind to ourselves and recognizing what we might need in different seasons um there's some great things that you speak about that I just love to kind of point to, but everyone should get mm. this book. Yeah, tell me which ones um, you like. I love this idea of really listening to yourself for the whole cycle 
and looking for these truth bombs. Maybe you could talk more to what you meant by truth bombs. Well, I guess, you know, that feeling of, um, like I was talking about before, of, you know, when you're premenstrual and, you know, when you think about what your body's doing, your body is literally getting ready to let go again. It's spent weeks building this beautiful nest, you know, getting ready to support life, saying yes to all of these things. And all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden, but eventually it gets the message that there is no big new thing happening in the womb this month. Everything is just out, get it out. It's all going. And so when you're physically getting ready to let go and you're kind of shedding, I just think it's like the perfect time where you are more inclined to notice all of the other things that you want to let go of and you're more inclined to maybe see, okay, I'm going to talk, I'm going to point to the elephant in the room, which is everything can just be a little bit shit. Mm. And, and sometimes that feeling of like, oh my God, you know, I don't like my job or my partner or my bedroom or this doona or my thighs or everything is just, I don't like anything, you know, and obviously if you're hating every single thing in your life, then that's a pretty good indication that maybe everything in your life is not wrong. It's, you know, it is a feeling and it will pass. And I guess it, the the truth bomb sort of theory is that, you know, for so long, it's like, you know, when people are grumpy about something when they're premenstrual, it's, oh, it's just because of your hormones and, you know, it's just because you're premenstrual. And so you kind of go, oh, yeah, 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 it's just because of my hormones Mm. and, okay, I'll just forget about that. And then when you get your period, you're like, oh, yeah, it wasn't really that bad. Okay, maybe it's it all is just me. Rinse, wash, repeat. And um, I think, you know, when you get those really big feelings that something is wrong, um it's really helpful to write them down. I call those truth bombers because I just think you ha- you have this propensity to really get this deep kind of knowing that that over there I've finally realised is absolutely not okay and I am sick of it. <laughs> and so when you get that feeling, instead of, you know, saying, oh, it's just my hormones and if you're premenstrual, just write it down. You just write it down and then you come back to that when you're in the dream phase because then it's a time to review, you know, it's a time to look back and and then you can really think, okay, you know, this is this is what's coming up for me and maybe, you know, that truth bomb has been presenting itself while you've been premenstrual for three months in a row and maybe it's not your hormones and maybe you're not a psycho and maybe it's your body's way of saying, hey, I'm trying to tell you something. Mm. I'm trying to tell you that this thing deeply is unsettling to you and needs an answer and look at it and make some time for it. And then when you've got your period, that is the perfect time to really kind of look at things more deeply and, and to mull over them. So, yeah, the, the truth bomb management strategy is um is yeah is one that I I really rely on myself Mm. is there something that comes to mind that it's really helped shape for you in be your career or your relationships or life definitely relationships I mean I think in the past as a sort of late teens early 20s person I definitely sort of used that premenstrual energy to fix partners and to help them and to you know, and basically I just think I, I had a creative drive that wasn't going in the right mm. direction. 
and and you know and, and at times I wasn't with the right person like we often aren't when we're that age and um yeah I think it really just reinforced my intuition it kind of gave me license to listen in a way that because you know when you're premenstrual and you know these your hormones are really crashing and you can feel out of control and it can feel scary it can feel overwhelming um and it's like this sort of fight with your rational brain and your deep soul and it it can just be a lot so i guess you know writing things down is always um it's quite mm. soothing i think so then more than ever is is yeah is a really good time to just help you assess what's going on and yeah particularly with 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 things like relationships or friendships or you know an argument you've had or or you know these kind of these stone in your shoe that's sort of been rolling around for a while and yeah just wanting to really give it the time that it deserves but without sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You speak so beautifully in the book about this take phase and how there was this wonderful epiphany when you realized it could be used so powerfully for creative work mm. um and you yourself are extraordinarily creative with all the different things that you do not only this book not only your work as an educator but your performance career what was that shift like where you realized that this could be used for creativity well um that was kind of how I got into this work to begin with the book that I read was um put out in 2008 by Miranda Gray and it was called The Optimized Woman and I read it when I was working as a sexual health educator and she calls uh the premenstrual phase the creative phase Mm. and that just was like a thousand million light bulbs all going off at the same time. And so what I started doing was I would schedule the two days before my period was due to write songs. And, you know, it wasn't like, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, that whole kind of, it's important when you're being creative, and I say being creative, but when you're doing something creative to not kind of come at it like, you know, you've got all these expectations and objectives and it has to be like this or it has to be like that. And I think it's just that space to really be playful with yourself in a Mm. semi-productive way, you know. And so, yeah, not all of the songs were ones that I ever played again, but it was really just about being with that part of myself um, that I guess is a little irreverent. It's sort of like it doesn't care about what anyone else thinks. It doesn't care about making anyone else making anyone else happy it's really just about getting to the bottom of yourself and so yeah I I spent a long time um just making time at that time of the month to to be with that part of myself and to write songs and um and that and that's how I became a better songwriter I mean it it's also just dedicating time to do something that you enjoy and then after you've done it long enough, you you, you, you get be- a bit better at it because you've been doing it more often. And I guess, you know, further to what I was saying before about that energy being misplaced um, and, you know, trying to fix people and clean things, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a travesty if you, if you feel like actually there is this thing that I think I want to do and there is this thing that maybe I think I could be okay at and, maybe you want to spend some time on. And if you have that, then you should run with it and you should do it when you're premenstrual. Oh, that's so great to harness that. 
Mm. I find it so fascinating because I think this happens obviously on a monthly level, but I think for, for me this podcast being about both routines and ruts is showing that constant pendulum swing. Sometimes yeah. we're in motion, sometimes we need the rest. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering for you if you kind of take a, a bird's eye look at your whole life at the moment and this the situation that we're in with <laughs> the pandemic and, and mm. so on, where would you place yourself sort of more broadly? Like you've just had this book come out. How does that sort of feel when you've kind of reached the end of a, of a big project and now you're sort of working on a on a podcast? And wh- how, yeah, where are you placed at the moment? Oh my God, where am I placed? In a cave in a mountain <laughs> far, far away <laughs> with a weighted blanket and... Um, Oh, sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, um, so on my birthday weekend in 2016, so almost four years ago, that's when I was making a music video and, um, the whole idea for making a theatre show out of this work around the phases was born. And since then, I have just been mining this vein in every direction with so many different mediums and people and outcomes and it's been the most fabulous ride like I I just I just and it's been something I've also shared with my my husband my partner and um which has been a really just wonderful thing to share you know with another person but particularly him um he's a creative director so you know I can say to him hey you know can you draw this or can you make this or can you help me da, 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 and then we kind of make all these things together and it's just really been incredible but yeah I've um really come to um I guess not the end you know but I've I've definitely tied a bow on the book and the podcast and the EP which has four songs that are for each of the four phases and um I my book came out on the day of the Black Lives Matter um, blackout, mm. um, which I just sort of thought, well, that's something I really need to think about. You know, this, this book is about empowerment. You know, who who is it empowering and who isn't it empowering and how can I be more, um, be more mindful of really helping to create space so that this can, this idea can be, um, you know, accessed by more people everywhere. So that was sort of just a really interesting thing to think about and and so timely, like literally so timely. Um, and then a few days after that I got hit by a car um, oh. in my car. I was rear-ended, yeah. And so mm-hmm. then I just kind of, I just, I was like, okay, I'm really hearing a message from the universe that is like, you know what, Lucy Peach, we've had enough of you and <laughs> it's like it's time to go and be quiet and um and then a few weeks later I dropped my phone and the microphone stopped working and so I was like I just really experimented with being an introvert for a while and um and as you know you know when you're doing something with momentum and steam and deadlines and some pressure and excitement then when you stop it's kind of like it's you, you know there's parts of you that are still kind of moving and they're taking a while to kind of slow down and I I've mm. um just been really kind of observing that process and watching for you know post-project blues I think I heard you talk about it with 
Benjamin Law? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there is that sort of thing. And um, and actually I'm, I'm a few weeks into that and um, I'm starting to get the hang of it. I've learned how to do mending and I'm just, it's like that thing of where you think you're relaxed and then you realise you're still clenching your jaw or you think you're relaxed and you realise that you're still kind of, you know, your fingers are quite tense or, and just, just, I'm just really trying to keep dropping into um, just, you know, just really making some space. And I I really have been enjoying that idea of um, being fallow, you know, which is this idea that, you know, if you've got a farm, you need to give the land a whole season to rest because it's just had all the energy sucked out of it and you can't grow new things and you can't keep planting and expecting it to be productive when you haven't spent time just giving back to the soil. So, oh, yeah. Such a lovely example for us to really honour the rest um, you sort of hinted that you're not exact. you know, you're more of a go with the flow person. I can relate um, to being someone who also doesn't really have much of a routine or structured day to day. But I wondered, you know, what are your days looking like at the moment in terms of freelance work or is there a, a bit of a structure to your day? Yeah, it depends. For me, it's different whether, um, so I have a 14-year-old son and a 16-year-old stepson and some of the time they are both with us and some of the time it's just my son with us and then some of the time we don't have them at all and it's just um, my partner and I. And so there's kind of three different modes that we're sort of in. Um, and generally I just want to spend time with them as much as I can when they're here, um, which is a pretty perfect sort of arrangement really because no one kind of ends up having time to get sick of each other. And, um, yeah, so I guess, you know, and, and that's kind of, you know, just coming back to the cycle, why I love having that as a bit of point of reference, because otherwise I can feel like, um, my day gets sucked in all these different directions where I, where I'm sort of more present to other people. And, um, you know, I, and I'm kind of the fluid one, you know, because my partner has, um, a full-time job that he you know, goes to at a desk at another place that is not our home. And so I'm kind of the one that, you know, can work more flexibly or, you know, is sort of fitting in with the routines of other people. And I think when you're in that mindset all the time of being the one who is flexible, it can it can sort of piss you off sometimes because it's like, you know, you're you end up putting yourself kind of second or third on the list. Yeah, like I said, my partner went away for a surfing trip and he got back last night and I'm day 24 now and, you know, I'm kind of like, actually, yeah, I was really enjoying the bed to myself and, <laughs> God, you really take up for a lot of room and, <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to have a long breakfast. I'm kind of keen to go and get into my little rabbit hole myself and so, you know, because I know where I am, I, I let that sort of guide me. I mean, you know, I think when you're a freelancer, it's really just about, God, resisting the pull to just get swallowed up in your phone and your computer and um, and feeling like you're being productive but also inspired but, you know, connected. But, yeah, it's it's a bit of an ongoing, an ongoing, 
was going to say struggle, but I didn't want to affirm that. But um, well, it can be. It's be hard to, it to be. <laughs> it is, yeah, and it can be hard <laughs> to be everything all at once. Um, yeah, but I did like that. There's kind of an awareness of boundaries in in, in mm. period queen and, and knowing when to say no, especially, or, or when to avoid saying yes, 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 because we can kind of get ourselves mm, in a bit mm, of trouble mm. with that when we, especially yeah, as freelancers, yeah. the temptation to say yes to everything out of scarcity. That's right. Um, That's right. So, yeah, how do you build that into your day in terms of your workload? Like how how do you know how much is enough or too much? And Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my day job is, is um, it's a little bit kind of morning, noon, night and anywhere mm-hmm. time job. And because um, the other thing is, you know, when you're really passionate about something, you know, I could talk about the menstrual cycle, you know, all the time and and I, and I really do want to get that sort of message of understanding and um, awareness and empowerment to as many people as possible. But, you know, it's really, I guess, where I'm at now is like, okay, I could run mother-daughter retreats. I could do one-to-one coaching. I could, um, you know, write more resources that are in line with the school curriculum. I could write an online course. I could sort of do all of these things and um, I can't do them all at once. So in the midst of trying to sort of be in that fellow space, I'm also like, oh, my God, I need to do things and I need to do them now. So I'm trying to kind of... I'm just trying to make spokes, which is it's just, yeah, it's kind of, um, it's just so tempting to keep piling things on your plate. And as you said, you know, when you're a freelancer, you don't want to say no to things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes you need to say no to things for quite a long time to properly clear your plate because, you know, there's so many things that kind of linger and take time to fully tie a bow around. But, um you know, for instance, I, th- I I I think that that what I will be spending the next few months on is writing this online course, which will be to support the book and to just give people a bit more um, support into doing a you know deep dive into where they're at and what's going on, and have little videos and opportunities to connect online. And so when I come to create that I'm going to sit down with you know my diary for the next few months and look at when I'm in the dream phase and when I'm wanting to really just do some big sky dreaming and thinking about you know ultimately what do I want this course to be and how do I want it to make people feel and and to really just get to the nub of what that goal is you know before I start kind of doing you know what I mean and I I I just think that this just so much um so much value in really just totally stopping and I guess what I'm hearing myself say is that I'm I'm still stopping I'm still kind of stopping after four years of just really going hammer and tong and touring the show around Australia and the UK and writing the book and putting out the music and doing all of these things it's like um yeah just being on a sort of on a speeding train um but so yeah, now making this making this course, I'm you know I really will be um, making it in a way that allows me to use where I'm at for the next few months and to really practice what I preach and and to put all of those phases to good use and um, and and from there I will give my day a bit more structure around you know 
probably working in them. I mean, I like to work mostly in the morning um, unless I'm really in the zone and then I kind of, you know, can go into the wee hours, particularly when I'm in week two. So, like, you know, I'll give myself, um, I don't like to kind of work through the night or anything, but it might just be, you know, till 12 or 1 or something um, and I just kind of know that I can get away with, you know, one of those days when I'm in week two and and, and it won't sort of put me out too much. Um, it's just just knowing when you can sort of push yourself. Mm. I just love this idea of giving yourself permission to stop what you're doing and I just see this beautiful connection between the permission to stop and how that can be difficult but also the permission to begin and how, mm. uh, you know, in the book you do talk about this time where you went without singing for so long because mm. you didn't give yourself permission or, you know, you took on other people's opinions, which we we all do and we, we let that shape us. So I would love to hear about, like, was that a rut for you? Like how would you define a rut or how did you kind of move through this in your life to be able to finally give yourself permission to begin? Hmm. Well, look, I think, um, so I Googled rut, okay? It says long, deep track, a stretch of road made impassable because I was like, a rut, I guess that's like a groove in the road where you're kind of like you're in this habit that you, um, you know, isn't fun anymore because you're doing it all the time and it's the same old thing. But that idea of it being impassable, that it's like it's it's so rutted that you can't actually move through it. And I think when I, before I started singing, um, I really was in a rut and I, and I didn't even know it. I didn't even know that I was in a rut. I I had all of this kind of creative energy that, that sort of needed to go somewhere and I just didn't know what to do with it. And, and, um, and, and, you know, when you mentioned before about, you know, permission to start something, I guess, you know, that whole idea of not wanting to um, look bad at something when you begin and just, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that you need to maybe sit away in your bedroom and make something perfect before you can share it with the world I mean it's just so um it's so limiting isn't it and and it kind of robs you of the experience of learning as well mm-hmm. and you know so once I it was having a baby really that actually snapped me out of that rut because once I had a baby I just sort of thought you know I can I can ha- I can make a baby well obviously I needed a bit of help but I can grow a baby within my body and give birth to it and sustain it you know with my tits alone like why do I think I can't sing or why do I think I can't join a band and and so um so I did I just auditioned for a band and I started writing songs when I was pre-menstrual and I, and off I went and the way that I kind of viewed it was that I was I was like, oh, I'm so old to be starting something new. I'm 27. Oh, God, it's ancient and, you know, oh, shock horror. But I thought I'm just going to give myself like I'm going to imagine that I'm doing an apprenticeship. And so for three years I'm just going to say yes to everything. And if someone wants to have a jam with me who's a banjo player, I'm going to say yes. And if someone wants to you know, invite me to be in a choir, then I'm going to say yes. And I'm just going to put myself out there for everything with the knowledge that I don't need to commit my whole life to this, that I can I can just play. I can just get in the sandpit and make a mess and just see what feels good and follow my nose and, 
you know, see where I end up. And so that was really liberating because then I didn't, I just didn't worry if I wasn't doing it right because I knew I wasn't doing it right, but I didn't care because I, I was enjoying myself, you know, and, and it was, it was really fun. And, um, you know, I remember when I first started writing songs on the baritone ukulele, which is basically like a guitar without the heavy strings. And, um, and I remember just thinking, my God, my songs are all so depressing. You know, what's wrong with me? But then I realised I couldn't play very fast because I couldn't, I hadn't been playing for very long. And so, you know, gradually over a couple of years, I, I started, um, I started being able to play faster. And I can remember when I first wrote a song that really felt like it was moving to where I wanted to, you know, it was moving in the way that I really wanted to move. And it was just like, oh God, that feels so good. I just want to dine out on that forever. And um, yeah. Yeah. That permission to just be a learner and to be bad. And I've written down and I've actually got it on a post-it note now, um, a sentence Mm. from your book, which is shame is a barrier to pride. And you're talking about period shame and, and period pride, but I just, it's just, it's everything I think to mm. me, it's like there's, mm. there's, there can be just so much shame in, in, you know, not being a good enough singer or not being a good mm. enough writer or being bad at whatever it is that we're trying or just not being a good enough human being. Um, mm. But yeah, it sounds like you've really worked through shame in, in so many different facets. Is that, is, do you feel that way? Like- yeah, maybe. I've never thought about it like that, Madeline. That's really interesting. And yeah, I mean, I guess like we've just got Brene Brown to thank for just just dialing up the volume on the shame narrative, and it's and it's huge. It's and it's obviously it's yeah, it's just something that it puts the brakes on everything, and mm. it just stops you from doing stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And the bit that really gets me is that you know if you know like I mean this girl, she came to the show when she was um, I think eleven or twelve, and she just got no period. And she said to me that she was going to tell her mum that when she was premenstrual and she was feeling grumpy and she didn't want to hang out with her little brother and sister, that she was going to just go into her room and draw and she was going to shut the door and everybody, I'm leaving, I'm going to draw, that's what I'm doing, which I was just like, that's great. That's like protective. It's, um, you know, spending time doing something you love, rah, rah, rah. And then a few years later, um, she showed me some of her drawings and they were just so beautiful. And I just, I mean, maybe she would have, you know, done the drawing and, you know, become a better drawer anyway. But just this idea that you're making this time to really, you know, connect with with your creative self. And, you know, when you hear people say that they're not creative, it, you know, it's like, it makes me sad because I think just because you're not, you know, into painting or singing or dancing it doesn't mean you're not creative and and you can find that flow in whatever it is that you love and just having the time and space to say this is an important part of of me and my life and my week and my month and that's when I'm gonna when I'm gonna when I'm gonna use it and um and yeah and I can use it to be a learner and I can use it to be crap at something and and um yeah Mm. oh Lucy I feel like I could talk to you about periods and cycles and learning and creativity forever um I guess reflecting on all of that and reflecting on these cycles that we can be proud of instead of ashamed of and just you know honoring the rest and the fellow and all of those things um I, I just love to ask like what people think days are for or, or what's your measure of a day 
Oh, look, I I love the idea of ritual. I'm always always sort of trying to build more ritual into my day and my family and um you know like on Sunday I was still sort of feeling a bit of that post ovulatory glow and I got up and I made a cake and I just you know put the word out to a bunch of people I've been wanting to see and just said open house come whenever you want I don't care when you come I don't care how you come you don't need to bring anything but I've made a cake and I want to see you and I'm available and I just thought oh that's you know, I'm going to make sure I do that. I'm going to make sure that whenever I'm whenever I'm ovulating on a Sunday, I'm going to make a cake and have an open house or whatever. And so I'm always, yeah, just trying to look to to create more ritual um, and connection. And um, and I guess you know, and in in the middle of all of that, just yeah, doing doing things that make me make me feel. Um, that I'm honouring a purpose. And so it's all kind of that that loop, isn't it, of staying connected to yourself and to other people. And um, how do I measure a day is absolutely um, how connected do I feel to myself and, and, and to the people that I love. Lucy reminds us that all types of connection matters. Connection to our cycle connection to our creativity, connection even to our shame or what our gut is telling us, and connection to those we love, including ourselves. When we connect, we can learn from all parts of ourselves and the world. As Lucy writes in Period Queen, learn to surrender to say yes to yourself and see the strength in your softness. Sit open to the first of each phase and cycle and be curious and playful with whatever challenges or joys await. I'm Madeline Dor, and that's what I hope to share with this podcast, that we can be curious and open to the ebb and the flow and whatever the day might bring. If this episode or any others provided inspiration, guidance or comfort, I'd really appreciate it if you could pass it on to a friend who might also enjoy it. And also be sure to subscribe yourself wherever you like to listen so that you can receive future episodes. If you'd like to be part of making these podcasts possible, you can also support me on Patreon and join for virtual deep work sessions each week if you fancy an hour of focus just for you. Stay in touch by signing up to my semi-regular newsletter at ExtraordinaryRoutines.com. It's filled with interviews, life experiments, reflections, and inspiring findings. Thanks again for listening to Routines and Ruts. And remember to celebrate the process as much as the outcome, the ebb as much as the flow, the ordinary as well as the extra ordinary. Mm-hmm.